Welcome to the Future Print Podcast, celebrating print technology and the people behind it. Hello, welcome to the Future Print Podcast. I'm Karis Kopp and I'm here with Dorinda Gibbons, Director of Profile Recruitment. Hi, Dorinda. Hi, Karis. Nice to speak with you again. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure for me as well. Great to be talking to you and great to be getting your um expertise on a really really important topic and um I think maybe a good place to start so if first of all people before we go into you know talking what we're talking about today maybe just a a brief background on on you and and what it is that that you do and what profile does yeah that'd be brilliant Karen because yeah I know a lot of people in the industry but we never know everybody do we we never know when opportunity might strike so Yes, my name's Dorinda and um, I'm basically the owner and founder of Profile Recruitment and I set up the business five years ago after probably about 20 years in recruitment working mostly in the print industry and then moving into digital printing and then inkjet printing. So it's really, I'm a small business, a niche business, helping companies in the inkjet sector to find the best talent and, and move their business forward really. Fantastic. And and yeah, that's what we're, we're going to be focusing on is that inkjet landscape so as you said you know we know a lot of people in the industry a lot of people in the inkjet space are going to be listening to this so can you give us kind of an overview of what the inkjet recruitment landscape is looking like at the moment you know we we've spoken before about what it was like during covid and post covid mm-hmm. where are we where are we currently mm. i mean I'm going to talk about the inkjet landscape i'm also going to talk about the print landscape is in the print industry at large and i think Across the industry at the moment, we are sort of seeing two sides to the coin. There's layoffs in one side, people unfortunately losing their jobs, a lot of companies making changes either coming from the top, they're looking at making redundancies and they're changing the workforce that they've got. So there's there's some people being made redundant. But there also is a lack of available talent. And unfortunately, the, the, the match are not matching up the two sides. There is still people on the market, but they're not always. They can sometimes match up. But I think companies need to think about widening their pool when they're looking to recruit to include some of these excellent people as well. Yeah. So is that sort of a problem that you're seeing that, that people kind of aren't aren't doing that? They're not willing to, to, to um, open up the pool in, in that way? always open it up more I think it's always a temptation to you know people recruit in their own image they say and that can be through not just their own personal image but the company image or indeed the experience that they need and I think sometimes it's better to take a chance and develop good people within your business with the right mindset obviously we need the basic tools but make sure they've got the basic tools for the the job and then bolt on the additional because sometimes you can get people going it's almost like um, a game of leapfrog, going from one company to another mm. company to another company. And you might not be getting the best possible person you can. So I guess maybe print business is kind of looking at it as as um, it's an investment for the business, isn't it? To, to look at those people as someone that you, you can develop and progress in, in their role in your company. Absolutely. The, the people are the other half of the puzzle. If you've got your technology right, but you've not got the right people, you're not going to be successful of a, of a company who's got a brilliant team that are all firing and they want to succeed. So I think it's really important. And we can talk a bit as well about graduates as well later on, but I think it's getting that 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 whole um, lifeblood of people into your business as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so we spoke there a bit about 
perhaps it's um, an area where businesses are, you know, going wrong maybe in terms of, of how they're approaching that search. And, and I think, you know, something that, that I think we've spoken about before as well as those job specifications, uh, it's, a, it's a really difficult area, isn't it? And perhaps, you know, from... It's been a while, actually, since I've had to apply for a job. But I remember doing it before and, and thinking, you know, some of them are putting things in that are unnecessary. You know, what are, what are businesses doing wrong when it comes to those actual job specifications? I think it's important to not just regurgitate the old job specification that they've had. You know, say, for example, you were looking for an engineer or a chemist and you, you dig out the person who used to do that job and you you, you get that. Um, job specification and then you send it on to wherever needs be and I think that's why I would always like to either ideally visit a company in person obviously it's in the UK do that more or speak to a company on zoom team or whatever format they would prefer to really find out all about their business and what they're actually looking to achieve because the job spec might not be what they need now and I think I would advise all companies to really get it back to to plaster almost, like as if you're decorating your house before you're putting the wallpaper on and just really think about what do we actually need now and therefore what skills do we need and do we actually really need a PhD or a degree suffice because when you do these job specifications, when you do an advert, you could limit your pool again because you'll put on there specific requirements and if someone's not got that, then they might not apply but they might actually be the perfect person for the job. Yeah, interesting. So there might be a case of people kind of digging it out, dusting it off, changing the dates and the name, yeah. without actually, you know, working to bring it in line with their current needs and the current, you know, landscape of, of people who are actually looking for these roles. Yes, absolutely. Exactly that. Yes. So maybe not being not being realistic in what you're asking for. You touched on that there. So would you kind of recommend people taking a forensic look through? And like you said, does this need a PhD? Does this need this certain degree? Um, or is it, you know, is there, as you said, when we were talking about the landscape, that opportunity to develop people in some areas rather than making them come in with, with exactly what they, they need for the role? Yeah. And always look internally first. You know, you might have someone. Um, there was one of the presentations we went to with um, what's a lovely lady from America was talking about. I'm trying to remember what her name was when she did is a it presentation. Christy? Yes, Christy Duval. Christy. Yeah, the yes. box maker. Yes. Yeah. And she was talking about people changing their roles rather than losing them. So, you know, have a good look at what you are trying to achieve as a business and then look internally first because you might have that person internally and then you might need to recruit a completely different role. So looking at the whole picture, what are you trying to achieve as a business? What skills do you already have? Then what additional skills do you need? Because sometimes people really want to change their job. They might be in account management and want to go into sales or they might be in sales and they want to go into account management. Sometimes it's more difficult. You might not go and be a chemist if you've been a sales director, possibly not. But, you know, there's a lot of transferable skills out there and you can look internally and then look to what additional resources you need to bring in after that. I mean, the, the conversations you have with businesses, are they open to that kind of thing? You know, when you, when you talk about um, perhaps looking for, for for great people that you've got internally already and are people quite receptive to, to your recommendations or do you get some kind of pushback on on people who want to want to keep things kind of as the status quo I think the natural thought is a lot of time they might think they've not got that person internally <clears throat> and sometimes they might they might not and that's fair but perhaps to go away and have another think that have they used 
are all the people that they've got the good people happy and um, by looking after the good people first and making sure they're happy they're going to have less recruitment needs um in the future because they, they keep hold of stuff so I think they might automatically think we've not got that person, but maybe it's worth going back and having another think just to doubly check that they've not before going out to market. Yeah, really good advice for people. And I think another thing that I really like that that you've said when we've talked about this specific job adverts and and specifications is is keep it simple. I guess it encourages people to, to, to really keep it simple, strip it back, maybe think, you know, walk it through and, and see if you, you really need all, all the extra kind of bells and whistles that you've just happened to have put on there and and, and keep it simple. Yeah. And also, like, there may be a job specification that's been sent to me that realistically is going to be very difficult to get. And I think I work with companies to really ensure what the, what do they actually need and what they've said to me, what do they actually need? And it might not be that what we can get is on the job spec is fully achievable, but what we can get is what they really need. Um as the song says, what is it? Get what you want, not what you need, or have you? Get what you need, what you, what you want. <laughs> Rolling stones. So getting yeah. getting the best person that they can. Um, and I think I think it's a work in progress. Mm. You might have to adjust it. You know, you might set out with one thing, but the market is tight with regards to people that are available. Um, so you want to make sure you can be as flexible as possible and open to having the widest pool you possibly can. What about once you've, um, you know, you've you've uh, come to you and perfected your job specification, and, you, and you're you're ready to to go out and um, and find the right candidates, and, and you, you've gone through that process, and people are applying for the role. You know, what's next for companies to succeed in actually making that that recruitment? I think you've got to be quick with good people. You know, I've seen it time and time again where they'll they'll be. Uh, a gap between first or second and offer. And your chances are, if someone's looking, potentially they may be looking somewhere else. So I think you've got to be quick or at least help manage that candidate's expectations either through me or directly to say, look, we're going to do a first interview just to let you know there is going to be two other interviews or what have you. The ideal is to not prolong it too much, you know, two, three interviews. I would never advise doing one, but I would likewise not advise doing four, five, six interviews. And I have seen that. And Mm. you can lose people and it's so frustrating for everybody because a candidate might really, really want the job and the company really wants a candidate. But due to lengthy um, interview processes and psychometric tests and things like that, it can just fall down and it's a real shame. So keeping it as short as you can, um, as long as you, it's been in depth, though, I wouldn't rush the process, but just not hold on for, for holdings on sake, if that makes sense. Yeah. So so striking that balance again, I guess you, you don't want to be too quick. And then it turns out this person is, um, you know, just done a great first interview and actually yes. doesn't have, have anything to back it up. But then also, you know, you don't want to, like you said, put them off, get let, give them the opportunity to to look elsewhere. So how do companies go about striking that balance in between those two? I would think, you know, like I say, to, if you do it, I would suggest try and do a Teams call or or something like this, um, a Zoom call or something like that for the first day, then get them in for the first interview and then a second interview with everybody that needs to be there. I think that that will suffice because... Although we, we don't get any guarantees in life, and sometimes you have to take a chance on somebody, and we don't really know till they start. So as long as you feel happy with that person, everything stacks up, they've got the right background, I think then the proof's in the pudding of when they join. You know, you can't keep interviewing and interviewing and interviewing. Nobody is perfect out there. 
Mm. It's just doesn't perfection doesn't exist. So you do have to go for it at some point. Um, but I do think doing one interview is probably not long enough. But I think other than that, just making sure all the right people have seen them and that you feel happy with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, really, really great advice. And I think you um alluded earlier to graduate recruitment. I know, you know, particularly you, Dorinda, really passionate about about young people, getting young people uh, into the industry, working with um, universities and all that. So graduate recruitment is is something that you're um, particularly passionate about and involved in. I think it's good to talk about how important graduate recruitment is and and succession planning in the industry. You know, what are are these businesses doing to, to stay ahead of the game on that? Yeah, I know that some companies do more than others. So they do deal and have um, associations with the universities, which is fantastic. I would encourage them to carry on doing that. And I think particularly picking out the best people, getting them to come and do a year in industry is a great way. And it's a great way for both the person to find out if they like the company, find the company, find out if they like the candidate. Um, and it's got a high success rate as well of people coming to work for them after. So a year in industry, or it could be doing a project piece while they're doing their PhD or their master's with you as a company, and really developing these strong ties with the universities, going to visit the university, make it so they can understand because <clears throat> people still don't know about the industry enough. So raising that awareness, going to recruitment events, um, and it is a constant cycle. Um, and also opening the, up the gates to which universities you speak to. It doesn't have to, for example, just be Cambridge University. You know, you graduates will tend to move for the job. Probably one of the best times for someone to move. So go to all the universities that you feel would have people who've got the right course and um, do, do online webinars and things like that to attract these people. Um, so it's just an ever, uh, you need to keep going with it as much as you possibly can, really, but developing those close links, I would suggest. And are you seeing that happening? You know, is there, is there an uptick in, in that kind of thing happening, the, the print industry working with, with these universities? Because we are in, you know, we are in a situation where we do need to be engaging these young people and encouraging them into, into the industry. And, and like you said, that that planning for the for the future is it is it something that's going up do we do we need a lot more of it what's your take from from your recruitment perspective some companies are and I've been speaking to some companies that are really doing a really good job of doing this but I think it depends on the university and I think sometimes it's not just the um, company it's the university some universities are more receptive than others um, so I think that's a lesson. You know, you have to keep trying to to get to these students, perhaps by other forms, because if the university is not the best, and again, different universities are better than others, we need to directly try to get hold of these people um, through other forms as well. Yeah, absolutely. Get creative and and, and <laughs> go where they are. Go where the yes, where the young people are. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Really, really important. Um, I think we could we could almost, you know, plan for the for the next profile recruitment podcast we do to just just talk about that. You know, it's yes. such a big ticket. I know you've spoken about it extensively before and, and anyone with an interest in in that kind of thing, I would really recommend, you know, reaching out to you directly and, yes. and, and profile and, and discussing that. Yes. Um, the, the next thing would be to talk about, you know, the, the print industry has historically been a um a male market, mature market, you know, we um, we do want to move things forward, get things more in line with, with where we are. And, and is it important from your perspective to attract 
new people in industry, new types of people, and, and how can businesses go about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many jobs that you can have within a company. And I think it sort of fits back into what we've just been talking about, but making it sound exciting, talking about the different applications you can have and all the different jobs you can have. You can be working in the design, you could be working in social media, you could be working in marketing, you've been working as a chemist, you can be working as an engineer, you know, physicist, sales, you know, the world's your voice. So, you can do anything you want to. And I think that can therefore appeal to so many different types of people. Uh, but it's just making people as m- aware of our industry as much as possible, really. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that all ties in as well with that, how we appeal to, to graduates, how we appeal to young people. It's showing all the different aspects, like you said, of, of what, what we've got to, to offer. So I think definitely. And again, I think Dorinda, people could could um, could come to you and, and get that kind of advice on on perhaps where to start there as well. Um, you know, from my end, it's I, I love that we get to travel. It's such a global industry. Yes. There's so much travel. You know, perhaps you're uh, interested in sports, and you could show them. You know, someone that's done all the print and, and redesigned for a, a sports um, industry. Therefore, on the, kind of on the wide format side, I think it's really showing people what you can do in, in this industry and and um you know people have so many misconceptions don't they about about what what print is compared to you know if, if apple come into your university and start talking to you with you know with their shiny gadgets it's kind of we need to get on on that level of, of showing what we can do the thing is the need for people to in the industry so people can get a job which is of interest if you're a student and you've just finished university and you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds of debt you want to get a job and there's mm. an industry where there is a is a need for that maybe we should do a future print event or something Harris, where we just concentrate on 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 recruitment and getting candidates to come along and see what they can see what the industry that could be on the last day of the event that graduates can come you know yeah. that they can see what's available because I think it is a, it's a sales pitch it is a sales pitch to show them and I think it's really an unknown quantity like you said we're competing against medical companies robotics Amazon AI there's so many different things that but they can use all those within the print industry as well yeah absolutely I think definitely need to, to to get out there and and I think it's great you're encouraging businesses to do the same and, and do that outreach so um again that conversation is one to definitely have with Dorinda Dorinda how can people uh get hold of you if, if they do want to to reach out and, and talk to you about their needs either from you know people looking for roles people hiring for roles yeah absolutely I mean can we include my website at the end of this or something and LinkedIn yeah, you can get me on LinkedIn you can ring me I always love speaking to people and I think it's good to just flesh out ideas so you can ring me anytime and numbers on LinkedIn or you can just email me as well and we can just have a chat about where you are now and where you want to be and how can you be ahead of the game ahead of your competition by doing what you can now to get the best people in your business really Fantastic. And yeah, we'll have all that information about how you can reach out to Dorinda directly in uh, the show notes of this episode. Dorinda, thank you so much for, for talking to us about where we are um, in inkjet recruitment, print recruitment landscape at, at the moment and offering some really fantastic free advice for people who, who might be looking to hire their next superstar member of their team. Thanks, Karis. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Dorinda. Thank you everyone for listening. It's been the Future Print Podcast with me, Karis Scott.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe now for more great audio content coming up. And visit futureprints.tech for the latest news, partner interviews, in-depth industry research, and to catch up on content from Future Print events. We'll see you next time on the Future Print Podcast.